Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. Agriculture is Saskatchewan, and 620 CKRM is your source for everything ag. Welcome to our newly expanded Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Here's your host, Jim Smalley. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com. And brought to you by Assiniboia Livestock, for the most reliable and dependable way to market your livestock. Today we have the latest crop report. Drought has ripened crops prematurely. Farmers have started harvesting. Sask Wheat releases its latest market outlook, compiled by Mercantile Consulting. Real Agriculture looks at Durham Wheat seeding research. We talk with the Kindersley Provincial Agrologist about crops in West Central Saskatchewan. Protein Industries Canada launches a million-dollar program to improve farm data. We talk with a market gardener near Lumsden. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnson's Grain, helping growers contract any type of grain. Call 1-800-324-7778. And Mazank Fuels, your local branded Petro-Canada wholesaler for over 40 years. Fill up the tank, call Mazank, 306-721-6667. The latest crop report says hot, dry weather has accelerated crop development and some farmers have started combining. Provincial Crops Extension Specialist Shannon Friesen says estimated yields for many crops across the province are expected to be well below average. So certainly with the extended dry conditions and lack of moisture, a lot of our crops are advancing very, very quickly. Uh, so we do have some combines rolling in parts of the central as well as the south regions. Um, you know, that's typically a little bit earlier than normal, um, but of course nothing about this year is normal for us. So the harvest progress so far is very, very small. It is mostly peas and lentils that, that are coming off. What yield estimates are you expecting? Yield estimates at this time are expected to be well below normal. Of course, we won't really know until everything is actually off the field and into the bin, but we are expecting things to be much, much lower than we would normally have. Was there any rain this past week? So certainly rainfall this past week varied right right across the province. Certainly many areas did not get much of anything, while others did get quite a bit. The Indian Head area as well as Neilberg both reported 55 millimeters and Lumsden around 33 and Salt Coats about 24. What's the crop rating right now? The crop rating, of course, has rapidly deteriorated from what we even had a couple weeks ago. Uh, so most crops at the moment are being rated as poor to fair in condition. Uh, with the lack of moisture, the drought conditions, things have just really, really gone south for us in the last couple of weeks. So things are still in poor shape overall. And the topsoil moisture rating? Topsoil moisture at this time uh, provincially is rated as 4% adequate, 38% short, and 58% very short. On hayland and pasture, it is 2% adequate, 27% short, and 71% very short. What were the main causes of crop loss this past week? 
Most crop loss, of course, was due to strong winds. Uh, the drought stress, we had many reports of hail. Uh, we've had some heat damage. And, of course, insects such as grasshoppers continue to feed on crops. What kind of haying progress was made? Well, haying has continued. At the moment, provincially livestock producers have 15% of the hay crop cut and 75% is baled or put into silage. Um, we have also heard that many producers have actually wrapped up haying as with the, the lack of growth, they are not expecting a second cut. What kind of yields? Yields, again, are much below average from what we would normally expect. Certainly the quality is below normal as well, and at the moment is rated as 4% excellent, 40% good, 34% fair, and 22% poor. You expecting a feed shortage? Uh, you know, I think overall uh, that will be expected. Uh, certainly there are many areas out there that are actively looking for feed. But of course we do have programs such as the one through crop insurance where we can actually turn some of our cereal and pulse crops into feed. So we ho are hoping that of course the shortage is short term, but we do need to be aware that that is certainly a possibility heading into winter. Shannon Friesen compiles the weekly crop report for the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. This portion is brought to you by Prairie 6-inch eaves troughs. An inch makes a big difference. PrairieEavesTroughs.ca and Farmtronics in Regina, your farm electronics specialists. From moisture testers to security cameras, keeping your farm running productively and efficiently since 1977. 380 Henderson Drive. The latest Sask Wheat Outlook says U.S. wheat futures for September fell 5 to 34 cents a bushel last week. Despite the decline, analyst Marlena Borsch of Mercantile Consulting says the long-term demand for wheat remains strong. The decline was a combination of profit-taking after a huge rally the previous week and due to increasing harvest pressure in Europe and the United States. So last Friday, September 21 contract Chicago winter wheat closed at 6.84, down 8 cents on Friday and down 8 cents on the week. September 21 Kansas hard red winter wheat closed at 6.46, down 5 cents on the week. And September 21 Minneapolis hard red spring wheat closed at 8.83.4, down 34 cents on the week. Wheat markets are somewhat weaker again today. To give you a brief summary on what drove the markets last week, spring wheat and durum crops across the northern plains and the U.S. and the Canadian prairies continue to face extreme heat with little to no rain. Yields continue to be revised down and prices for spring wheat and durum have been rising in North America. Demand rationing will be necessary as the potential sizes of Canadian and U.S. crops get smaller. U.S. spring wheat ratings fell 5% to just 11% good to excellent. This compares to 68% last year and is only 1% of the record low of 1988. Production of Argentine and Australian wheat looks to be up from last year to 2023 uh, to 20.8 actually and 29 million tons plus respectively. The Australian wheat crop looks quite promising. In Europe, harvest data remains okay, but not stellar, and logistics to the ports continue to cause problems. On the other hand, this is still a market that lacks activity, with farmers not selling, and consumer demand lacking. 
It is unclear if the lack of buying is due to high prices of goods and freight or simply due to delaying the purchase decisions to the very last moment. We'll have to keep watching that. We know that Kazakhstan is banning exports of feed wheat and barley and all exports of rye for six months. Severe drought there has caused a shortage of animal feed. Let's delve a bit more into the North American conditions. Unfortunately, the Saskatchewan and Alberta Ag Ministries only detail crop conditions on a bi-weekly basis. There was some rain in parts of Alberta and Saskatchewan, but cereals are largely done and we don't think it will do much now to raise the overall condition of the crop. The Saskatchewan crop was last reported as 25% good to excellent and 37% poor to very poor. The Alberta spring wheat crop was last reported at 39% good to excellent. Should average Canadian yields fall 10% below the average to around 48.7 bushel per acre, Canada would produce 22.8 million tons of wheat. We think yields might settle at about 46 bushel per acre. We will have to see exactly what comes out when the combines roll. The worst year for wheat on the prairies that we remember was in 1988 when spring wheat yields fell to a shocking 18.4 bushel per acre. This should give us some scale. Have a look at the yield graphs for spring wheat from 1980 forward on the website uh, of Sask Wheat. As mentioned, conditions in the US fell another 5% last week. Now just 11% of the spring wheat crop is in good to excellent condition. 63% of the crop here is in poor or very poor condition. 5% of the U.S. spring wheat is mature, and harvest will begin any day now. Marlena Borsch of Mercantile Consulting supplies the wheat market outlook on the Sask Wheat website. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. Email advertising at realagriculture.com to learn more about this unique keynote opportunity. Hey, Carrie Ustros here with realagriculture.com. We are back here today with another wheat school episode, and I have here with me Ken Coles of Farming Smarter. How's it going today? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. So we are here today to talk about some of the precision planting data you have done or research you've done when it comes to Durham. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, so this is the third year of our trial, and we were sort of challenged a few years back that we haven't really been making any progress in improving yields in irrigated Durham. So at the time we had been engaged in using the planter obviously first for dryland grain corn and then we moved into using it in canola and it's sort of a natural progression is is are there other crops that we can play around with. So I kind of looked at that as an opportunity to say you know in theory there's a lot of great benefit potential in using a planter for cereals and it's it really stems back from from corn agronomy and and when you listen to the the longtime corn growers from the U.S. or Eastern Canada, they're they're very precise 
units and, and how they do everything, right? Exactly where do you place each kernel relative to the next and how many kernels per acre. And, you know, we're traditionally bushels per acre, not not even seeds per, per square foot or anything like that. So, you know, they do honestly have a higher level of agronomy that goes towards corn. And if we use planters here in Durham, maybe that's an opportunity to do that same type of approach. Can we, you know, look at the distribution of seeds relative to each other? Can we play around with row spacing and what agronomic benefits would come from that? And, you know, Durham is actually the most susceptible cereal to fusarium head blight. And of course, with irrigation, that's where we have the most fusarium head blight. And it's a pretty significant issue uh, and a significant barrier. So we thought we would sort of look at a combination of management practices, in a sense, kind of throw the groceries at Durham while throwing in this other layer of using a planter as opposed to an air seeder. So things that we're looking for and we're interested in would be, can we get a more even crop? You know, like the corn guys, they want one stock of corn or one cob of corn per stock. And, you know, traditionally we've always like, oh, we want things to tiller. That's sort of a, an old school approach. Let's, you know, get a get some stress on it and things will stool out. And, and in many senses, we might be better off getting one wheat head per plant and not have as many tillers. And what that does is, you know, we get more even emergence. We can have things flowering at the exact same time. And that can help, you know, for staging your, your treatments like a growth regulator. And some growth regulators will actually do a lot of harm if it's not sprayed at the exact right growth stage. So a nice even crop gives you, you know, a much better opportunity to time your fungicides, to time your, your growth regulators. And, and in many senses, the growth regulators you know, will help give you a stronger straw and allow you to put more irrigation down too. So the, the preliminary results so far in the first two years is that we actually are seeing an advantage to the planter. You know, we've got a range of data from 105 bushels to 125. So, you know, depending on the combination of practices that we're, we're employing, we're looking at different seeding rates as well. Um, we have seen that there is an opportunity agronomically to push irrigated derm yields. I was just talking to uh, the Hutterite who first came to me and said, hey, we haven't increased yields. And then afterwards he goes, you know what, since I first talked to you, we have been increasing yields. And he attributed some of that to the growth regulators. So, you know, we haven't had uh, all of the data put together yet. And I'm not, you know, cheerleading that says we have to go out and buy a planter for all our crops. I think there is a lot of work that still needs to be done to tailor that equipment to our Western Canadian scale of agriculture. But, you know, it's fun to try something different. And that's kind of what we do here at Farming Smart is, is put, a, put another crazy twist on things, take the risk out of you guys doing it on the farm, and hopefully in the end we can, we can learn something and maybe push the envelope. And you mentioned tillering. What, what did you find with the planting results when it comes to tillering? Certainly we're seeing a much more even uh, crop. We're seeing uh, you know, better emergence, and we are seeing some reduced tillering depending on the seeding rate. It's fun to study. It's encouraging to, to see some of the results. You know, I'm interested in looking at other things like twin rows and even narrowing it up even more. So. Okay, sounds good. Thank you very much. Thanks, Kara. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. 
and Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Partly cloudy today, 30% chance of showers, risk of a thunderstorm, hazy. Wind south 20, the high 28, the low 16. Friday, sunny and hazy, wind northwest 20, the high 30, the low 14. Saturday, sunny, the, the high forecast of 28, the low 13. Saturday, sunny, the high 30, the low 14. Monday, sunny, the high 32, the low 15. Tuesday, sunny, the high 32, the low 16. Wednesday, sunny, with a high of 31. Normal high is 26, the normal low is 11. The sun rose at 522 this morning. It sets at 848 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot is Leader in west-central Saskatchewan at 32. The cold spot, Wasika at 21. Estevan is 28. Saskatoon, 29. Swift Current, 30. Weyburn and Yorkton, both 28. Regina, cloudy and 29. That's 84 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the south at 22, gusting to 36. Humidity is 30%. The barometer falling, 102.2. Partly cloudy and moose jaw, 30. Winds are from the south at 24, gusting to 37. Once again, Regina, partly cloudy, 29. That's 84 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. Get out to an early start on weed control in next year's canola and lentil crop using Group 3 Edge Microactive from Gowan Canada this fall. Edge Microactive, maximize yields today and manage resistance for tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers, mcdougalauctions.com. And brought to you by Panison Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Panison Liquid Systems expect the best. An easing pandemic and blistering heat has made for quite an interesting year so far at the Regina Farmers Market. Wayne Gino of Lincoln Gardens is one of the market's many vendors and he says despite everything business is going quite well. The vegetables are fine, we, we irrigate and take care of them. You know, stuff's growing really fast but the demand's been really good too. Gino says the demand for local produce mixed with the loosening of COVID-19 restrictions has kept him busy all summer. It's been busier this year. Last year it was slow, everybody avoided the crowds here. But on the other hand a lot of other people came out to the farm uh, and avoided the crowd, so our sales were higher there and lower that year. Gino says the demand for local produce mixed with the loosening of COVID-19 restrictions has kept him busy all summer. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small town lumberyard, big on service. ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com. Regina-based Protein Industries Canada has announced a total investment of $900,000 to improve the use of data in the agriculture and agri-food sector. CEO Bill Gruel says Protein Industries Canada will provide $438,000 and the project participants $465,000 to advance farm data development. We're really looking at how we better utilize and leverage data for uh, production efficiency and, and giving customers information about the products that they're eating that are derived from plant-based foods. 
Why is data so important? Yeah, when, when you think about it, it's we're really in the digital economy now, and agriculture is transitioning more and more to data and information used to support decisions that producers can use to make production more efficient. I think really what this project at is, is looking at is how do we create the data system so that we can prove to our end-use customers that might be uh, consumers eating plant-based foods on the, on the west coast of Canada who are really concerned about things like the environmental footprint of the food products that they're eating. Data is critical to that because we need to understand all the things that went into producing those end-use customer products. That is fertilizers, herbicides, which lead to things like understanding the carbon footprint and sustainability of ingredients. Data is important as we move from production through to ingredient processors through to food manufacturers so the consumer at the end of the day can have confidence that the food they're eating meets their own personal choices around environmental sustainability. So how does this agreement work? What's happening with this agreement? Yeah, so there's four kind of areas that we're funding and and supporting here. And this is in collaboration with both a not-for-profit organization based out of Manitoba, which is called EMILY, but a, a lot of really good private sector partners and companies like G3 and Merit Functional Foods and, and Viterra. What we're doing is really funding kind of four different areas. The first is related to kind of this a pilot project. How do we ensure that data is moving throughout the value chain from producer to ingredient processor to food manufacturer? So there's a pilot project about how we move data up and down the value chain in support of sustainability um, metrics. We're also looking at some Areas that are kind of contentious from a, from a producer's perspective, that's around data ownership and data privacy. We really need to understand that better in the agriculture and food production landscape to make sure that producers feel confident that the data that they're sharing is, is owned and protected. Third area is really around improving digital skills and data literacy. We know that as we transition agriculture to the quote-unquote digital economy, we need to get more people involved in data sciences and agriculture, so we're doing a little bit of work there. And so it's a pretty all-encompassing project looking at better utilization of data in the agriculture space. One of the key questions I like to ask is, how do farmers benefit? Yeah, I think, I think this is one where, you know, at the end of the day, Consumers, whether they're in Vancouver or Toronto or anywhere around the world, want to understand better about things like the environmental sustainability or the environmental footprint of the products that they're eating. In Canada, we've got a great story to tell because we're a highly sustainable, low-input agriculture. But we have to be able to prove that. It's not enough for us to say, look at us, we're Canadian and we're sustainable. We have to prove that out with data and information. So I think at the end of the day, farmers will benefit from this project because consumers will have confidence in the food products that they're eating from Canada, that they're meeting their own personal goals for sustainability. And so I think it's it's really critical that we do this and that we create the systems where farmers are compensated for that data and information and the sustainable production practices. Bill Gruel is the CEO of Regina-based Protein Industries Canada. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source, 620 CKRM. Crops in west-central Saskatchewan are suffering from hot, dry weather. The crops extension specialist in Kindersley, John Epolito, says most crops are rated poor to fair in his district. They've kind of been, uh, I guess, fair 
all summer long, and and there really hasn't been any improvement. There, some would probably be classed to be in the poor category now. I would say, maybe more so towards Rosetown than Kindersley itself. But so yeah, poor to fair. I think would pretty much sum up all of the crop in the Rosetown Kindersley area. Any idea what uh, yields might be? No, um, some of them are, are going to be extremely low, but. A few weeks ago, I had one individual that thought his lentil crop might be kind of close to average, but you know, the few I've heard that have tried to do a yield estimate on canola are thinking maybe 20, but even that was two weeks ago, So, I, and it definitely hasn't improved since then, so really hard to get a, a you know, good grasp of what the yields are going to be, but definitely well below average, I think, almost all crop. Any hail or hoppers? Grasshoppers have been a problem kind of south of Highway 7 for a few weeks. The the crop that I guess guys have been trying to control the grasshoppers in has been lentils. Not much grasshopper control going on other than that, but for sure in the lentil fields there's been some uh, control, in is particularly south of Highway 7. Have many crops been cut for green feed? There's been a little bit going on, but maybe not as as much as we would have anticipated, but there has been some. I think mainly I would have to say at this point a lot of it is mixed farms that are using some of their own cereal grains for uh, green feed. I think that's what we're seeing most right now. To be honest, there's some cereal crops that are uh, poor enough that it was felt that they wouldn't even be able to harvest them as green feed. That's pretty rough-sounding crops. That too poor for that. Yeah. Well, in in some cases, we're talking wheat and barley that's probably no more than eight to ten inches tall. When do you expect harvesting to begin? Well, actually, guys are desiccating lentils. They started late last week, and uh, so there's a little bit of you know desiccation of lentils going on now. You know, given that they started desiccating last week, probably within the next week, we'll see a little bit of lentil harvest, but the rest of the crop will be after that by a fair chunk, I think. The soil moisture, we've seen no improvement for, you know, we haven't caught any of the showers for quite some time now, so uh, the the crop is just kind of very slowly maturing in the heat here seems to be what we're experiencing right now. John Ippolito is the crop extension specialist in Kindersley in west central Saskatchewan. Market update is brought to you by Nelson GM in Assiniboia and Avonlea. If you are a Costco member, get huge savings on current 2019 and 2020 SUVs right now. And brought to you by Sask Pork. Saskatchewan's growing and vibrant hog industry creates economic spin-offs and career opportunities in our rural communities. Find out more, visit saskpork.com. Grain prices were mixed in early trading today. Canola fell a dollar ninety at eight fifty six sixty seven. Flax rose ninety eight forty five. Yes, ninety eight dollars forty five cents at seven seventy six thirty nine. Number one red spring wheat went down ten dollars seventy four cents at three sixty seventy three. The rest were unchanged. Durham four sixty nine eleven. Feed barley two hundred sixty four dollars sixty five cents. Lentils eight hundred two dollars fifty cents. Oats two sixty eight fifty three, yellow peas three forty seven twenty seven, feed wheat two hundred thirty eight dollars and eighty four cents. On the Minneapolis Grain Exchange, September spring wheat is up nineteen and a quarter cents at nine twenty three a bushel. 
It's the Livestock Reports on The Source 620 CKRM. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn, 842-4574. And now the latest Livestock Quotes. Hello, Cattlemen. Junior for Heartland Livestock, Yorkton, with your market report for the week of July 28th. We had a nice run on offer here this week with 340 cows, 60 bulls, and 300 feeders for a total of 700 head. The feeder market is steady to last week with strong demand on the yearlings coming through the ring. Here are a few highlights. 550 weight steers, 223. 650 weight steers at 216, your 750 weight steers at a buck 98, and your 900 pound steers at a dollar 71. On the heifer side, they're still back 25 to 30 cents on their brothers. 550 weight heifers at a buck 88, 650 weight heifers at a dollar 84, and your 750 weight heifers at a buck 75. 850 weight heifers at a dollar 55. On the cow and bull trade, we saw 340 cows average 79.50 with a high of 89. D1, D2 cows, 79.84 with a high of 89. D3 cows, 70 to 76. Your light Shelly cows, 60 to 68. The half for rats average $1.14 with a high of a buck 21. 60 bulls average $1.11 with a high of $1.29 on a high yielding exotic bull. We here at Heartland Yorkton have been discussing the situation that our producers are going through right now. We are here to help in the marketing of your livestock. Producers, on August 4th, we'll be having a one-day sort. Cattle will be in by Tuesday at 4 p.m. Following this sale, we'll be having a pre-sort sale every second week until further notice, with regular sales in between. These pre-sorts will all be one-day sorts until further notice. Please listen to this radio station for further updates on our sales and schedules. Once again, this is the Junior for HLS Yorkton. Thank you, and have a great day. Now the latest Saskatchewan pork prices. This is both branded Moose Jaw plants, $240.73 per CKG today. Coming up, the Resource Report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by the Perry Co-op Grow Team. Fueling farms, feeding families in Cupar, Ituna, Lipton and Strasburg. Saskatoon-based Nutrien has signed an agreement with Exmar to jointly develop and build a low-carbon ammonia-fueled vessel. Partners for over 30 years in transporting ammonia globally, Nutrien is one of the world's largest producers of low-carbon ammonia and Exmar is a leading innovator in transporting liquefied gas products. The new agreement aims to reduce Nutrien's maritime transportation emissions and enable the commercial development of an ammonia-fueled vessel. Together, they will chart a clear path for wide adoption of low-carbon ammonia as a clean fuel for the maritime industry. Nutrien has been pursuing the development of low-carbon ammonia for more than a decade and has one million tons of production in Alberta. Compared to conventional fuels, it's expected the use of low-carbon ammonia will reduce greenhouse gas emissions of up to 40%. Emission reductions of up to 70% can be achieved. Nutrien is the world's largest provider of crop inputs and services. On the markets, the TSX is up 121 points at 20,351. The Dow has gained 195 points at 35,126. Oil is up 98 cents at 73.37 a barrel. The Canadian dollar is up 48 hundredths of a cent at 80.32 cents U.S. That's the resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon and good farming. 
You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, now starting after the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything ag. 620 CKRM. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide.